Would you please stand for the reading of today's scripture from the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you. Searching for the kingdom. There are so many stories and movies and video games based on a quest, on a search for the kingdom. And I think we human beings have always been drawn to such stories because they are filled with adventure and with danger and with bravery and challenges and courage. And stories of quests and searches always have to do with a vision and a steadfast hope that keep the protagonists going through hard times. Keep them at the task of finding that which they seek. I have to tell you, it may be no surprise to you, my favorite story of a quest and a search for a kingdom is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever told a, a legend of a search for a kingdom better than Monty Python did. Arthur riding his imaginary horse across Britain, inviting people to join the Knights of the Round Table. It so quickly and hilariously goes off the rails and makes for the best movie ever. I've always loved those stories of searches and quests and adventures growing up. I read about them in those volumes of the Reader's Digest condensed books that came in the mail regularly at our house all through my growing up years. I checked them out of the bookmobile that came at the top of our hill in the summertime. I loved to read those kinds of books. In the 1970s, there was a very interesting show on television for a few seasons. Some of you might remember it. It was called In Search Of. In Search Of. And it explored unsolved mysteries and things that were beyond explanation. And it covered a wonderfully wide range of topics by 
which fascinated people in that wonderful decade of the 70s. Things like, uh, could you prove that plants responded to human thought? And was there really Bigfoot? And the Loch Ness Monster? It's amazing the staying power of some of these things, isn't it? The Bermuda Triangle. Interesting, interesting stories. But the best part of that show for me was that it was narrated by Leonard Nimoy, who we all loved from the original Star Trek television series. He was Mr. Spock. So this show had to be true, right? I mean, because he was a very serious guy. And I can still remember seeing one show that really stuck with me because it was in search of a kingdom. The episode was called In Search of the Kingdom of Atlantis. The Kingdom of Atlantis. It recounted the ancient story written by Plato in 421 B.C. of how this rich, powerful island kingdom had disappeared in one day during an earthquake. And now Leonard Nimoy said we had the modern technology and the modern science that would allow us to answer all the questions and to solve all the mysteries and to find the lost kingdom. All the questions would be answered and all the mysteries solved. Well, I had read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and they had referred to the kingdom of Atlantis, and I had read Journey to the Center of the Earth, and they had mentioned Atlantis. And so I had grown up with a great curiosity in my imagination about this search for the kingdom of Atlantis. But alas, the search went unfulfilled. In spite of Leonard Nimoy's optimism, they didn't find it. And they still haven't found it. It's still a mystery. And I'm sure there are still people searching for it. Well, as spiritual pilgrims, we search for a, a kingdom that at times can feel just as elusive and mysterious to us as the kingdom of Atlantis. But it doesn't have to. And it shouldn't. In fact, Transfiguration Sunday teaches us about the kingdom of God in a very powerful way if we watch and listen to this strange experience that Peter, James, and John have on the mountaintop with Jesus. To understand this story, we have to go six days back in Mark's timeline. Immediately before the text that we read, Jesus is speaking to the crowd of those who are following him. And Jesus is talking about how he is going to suffer and how he is going to be rejected and how he is going to be 
killed. And how he is going to rise again after three days. That is not what the people came to hear. Especially Peter. Peter is so upset that he pulls Jesus aside and Mark says he rebukes him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine pulling Jesus aside and correcting him? Not a good idea. Because Mark says then it's Jesus' turn to rebuke Peter. And Jesus says to Peter the most painful words I can imagine he could ever hear. Get behind me, Satan. Your thoughts aren't on divine things, but on worldly things. And then Jesus goes back to the crowd. And he picks right back up where he left off. If you would follow me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. Good times. Good times. Now it's six days later. And it's not unusual for Jesus to draw aside or draw apart, take some time away. We see that time and time again in the gospel. And it's not unusual for Jesus to invite Peter, James, and John to go with him. They seem to have had a special relationship with him. But on this particular instance, that's where the usual stops. Because as they are there on the mountaintop, suddenly Jesus is transfigured. He changes. Suddenly his clothes are dazzling white. Mark says, whiter than anyone on earth could ever bleach them. And Moses and Elijah appear and they're talking with Jesus. And Mark says the disciples were terrified. But then the usual kicks in again. And Peter decides to open his mouth and just see what words happen to fall out. Mark says they were too terrified to know what to say. Well, that never stopped Peter from saying something. Peter's like that friend we all have who never lets the facts get in the way of their opinion, right? He's always talking. Let's build three tents and y'all can stay a while. And then a cloud comes down and covers them. And they hear a voice that says, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And then just as quickly as the whole scene started, it's over. The cloud lifts and they look around 
And no one is there except for Jesus. Mark tells us this story so that we can see what God wanted Peter, James, and John to see. And what God wants us to see. And that is in our search for the kingdom of God, we don't have to look far and wide. We just look for Jesus. The kingdom of God is where Jesus is. The kingdom of God is in what Jesus taught. The kingdom of God is in what Jesus does. The kingdom of God came in Jesus and the kingdom of God continues to come in and through him. The kingdom of God is bigger than the church because the kingdom of God is as big as what God is doing in all the world through the love and grace and forgiveness revealed in Jesus. And sometimes, like those disciples listening to all those hard words of Jesus right before this experience happened on the mountain, our life can be filled with hard words and hard times. And it can feel that all we have in our life is suffering and crosses and death and self-denial. And today, even today, in those kinds of days, it can be hard to see the kingdom of God. But just like God offered Peter, James, and John a glimpse of the kingdom on the Mount of Transfiguration, God still offers glimpses of the kingdom to us when we need it the most. We catch a glimpse of the kingdom in each other when we're there for each other. We catch a glimpse of the kingdom when a prayer or a kind word lifts the darkness and fear from our life, even if just for a moment. We catch a glimpse of the kingdom when we're blessed to receive or blessed to offer an act of compassion or service. We catch a glimpse of the kingdom when in spite of the worst of circumstances, peace comes to our troubled minds and our broken hearts. God gives us glimpses of the kingdom we search for in a touch, in a word of scripture, in a song, in a sunset. You see, we best search for the kingdom of God by walking closely with Jesus. By listening to his words, by obeying his teachings, 
We search for the kingdom by living in the kingdom even when it's hard to see it. When we do that, other people get a glimpse of it too. Martin Luther King Jr. put it this way. When we see social relationships controlled everywhere by the principles which Jesus illustrated in life, trust, love, mercy, and altruism, then we shall know that the kingdom of God is here. Oh, we have been blessed by being called to be used by God to help others catch a glimpse of the kingdom by the way we choose to live our lives. When we pray that prayer, we pray every time we gather, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are asking God to work through us to bring the kingdom that came in Jesus a little more fully into the world through the way we live and the way we love and the way we serve. Oh, let us never stop searching for the kingdom. Let us never stop looking to Jesus and obeying Jesus and sharing the good news of Jesus and letting the life of Jesus shine through us so that others can catch a glimpse of God's love and grace and forgiveness for them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.